from a black person's point of view, I do feel like, you know, some things get swept under the rug a little bit. And also I'd like to expound on the point of maybe black women in particular being stronger or looking stronger. That is the thing in medicine Mm -hmm. too. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? How do you act when you're feeling vulnerable? I think it might take a minute, a little bit of reflection to really answer that question. So let's dive into the word vulnerability for a minute. Brene Brown, you guys all know she's my favorite. She says to feel is to be vulnerable. Believing that is a weakness to show you are vulnerable is believing that feeling is weakness. But we all are emotional beings. In reality, vulnerability is the cornerstone of courage. Each and every thriver that has shared their story on this show has put themselves in that place. You know, that place where they expose themselves. Vulnerable people are risk takers. They are able to cope by facing and managing adverse situations. They are resilient and they're able to adapt and recover. There's an internal and external side of vulnerability. And I believe we deal with both, especially as people living with MS. The external side is more about the exposure to the risk. Social inequities like access to medical care. That's what I'm talking about there. But the internal is focused more on the coping side. Our ability to anticipate, cope with, and recover from a crisis. Human vulnerability defined by Pelling focuses on three layers. Exposure, resistance, and resilience. Those of us who lean into vulnerability as a core value are the strongest among us. LaRoya, she's my guest today. She is one of those people. This small town Alabama girl was diagnosed with MS in 2021. She used her resources to help her adjust to her new normal. Her ability to be vulnerable right out of the gate helped her find others and share her fears as this MS diagnosis shook her to her core. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. Anyways, let's chat it up with LaRoya. Hi, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you are a very newly diagnosed person, six months ago, just about. Can you share that process with us and what you went through to get that diagnosis? Yes, I feel like this has been a diagnosis years in the making. 
because I started experiencing symptoms many years ago and I couldn't put my finger on it. Weird things happening with my vision, you know, and you don't really think much of it when something just goes away or it felt like my limbs would fall asleep, but then they'd wake back up, you know, and little aches here and there. I'd say whenever I was pregnant with my second child, I woke up one morning and when I got up, I hit the floor. I couldn't walk, you know, and I had to call my boss and I was making a, about a 30 minute commute at that time and I was not able to make it to work. So went straight to the hospital. They monitored me. They focused on my baby girl and everything was fine. And I was glad to know she was fine. And, you know, gave me an IV, got hydrated, and I was okay. They said something about sciatic nerve pain. And that was just really weird, too, you know. So after I had my babies, they're 17 months apart. So I specifically remember after having them, like my body itched all over. And it was like, I couldn't get over that itch. And it was so uncomfortable. We laughed about it, you know, went away. And so little things happened here and there in between that time, I'd say about 2015 to 2017, like I had tingling in my legs and then it'd go away. And I'm a worrier. So I'd go to the emergency room because I'm thinking blood clot, maybe stroke or something like that. And they'd do a test and nothing to be wrong. And, you know, I'm healthy. Like I like to work out. I, you know, I'm athletic. So it passed. And then another time I told my doctor about it and she sent me to a neurologist doing a great thing, you know, and I described what I was going through in the neurologist. She asked me, well, do you wear heels a lot? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, you wear heels and that's why your toes are tingling. It's like, okay. You know, it was totally weird. But like I said, I wasn't down and out. So I listened to it. And sometimes you know, we have a tendency to not really want anything wrong with us. So we'll take that. That's what I did, you know, and I'm like, I'm okay. But last summer, I got this tingling down both of my legs. And it just happened all of a sudden, one day I was exercising and I was down in Florida, and it was hot, the tingling went down my legs, and I was doing hit exercises. So it's just like high intensity, you know, and then breaks. And I was like, this is weird. But then it continued. It continued for my whole vacation, right? And it alarmed me. I was scared. I cried. I started Googling then because I felt like it was something, you know, because it wouldn't go away. And it was incredibly hot. We were doing all the outside activities because my daughters right now, they're eight and nine years old. So they're right at the age where they want to do everything. So and they, they're beach bums. They love the beach. And we all do. So I was just suffering in the heat, you know, just exhausted, sweating, tingly, you know, but I made it through and I made it back home and then it went away <laughs> and I was like, oh, good. It's gone, you know? And so like, it was just in time to go back to work. So I was at a professional development for a new math series and I was typing at my laptop and my fingertips felt so funny, you know, it just felt weird, this weird sensation, like almost like numb. And I, I don't know, it, it went away. And then so I was like, okay, this is it's going to be okay. School started and down in Alabama, it's extremely hot, you know, so I still had a little bit of tingling here and there It wasn't that bad. And then it was one day, I'm at work this whole time. And it's like, 
we were in the bus line and I was getting ready to take my bus riders out and I, I looked down and I felt tingles going down, you know, down my arms, down my spine. And it scared me again. I got on Google and it said MS. And I was like, I feel like I have MS. And so in between that time when I was feeling those little pains, of course, you want to go to the chiropractor, see if you can get adjusted. My family members say, oh, I had that. You get adjusted and see. Well, it didn't go away, you know, and I felt a little better. I felt relieved. I felt relaxed, but it didn't really go away. So like on a little pain chart, I keep circling the same things. And so since that didn't work, you know, and I felt that when I was bending my neck, I was like, it's something else. And then one day I went to a football game for one of my students and she was cheerleader. As soon as I stepped out of the car to walk to the stadium, this intense numbness came over my body. And it was like I was going to pass out there. It took everything in me just to you know, stand up. And of course, it's at a game. So everybody's, Miss Smitty, Miss Smitty, oh my goodness, you're here hugging me. And like on the inside, I was falling apart, but on the outside, I looked okay. So it took everything I could do to get to that seat. And I told my husband, you know, go get me some ice water. And when I got ice water and cooled down, I guess, like the feeling went away. And that scared me. And so like the very next week at work, you know, we live in a crazy time and all the alerts for my children's school, they go to a school in a different district. If something ever happens, I get an alert on my phone and they'll call my classroom phone too. And I specifically remember something happened at the high school that's next to their elementary school. And it it made me nervous. That same feeling, that intense, numb feeling I got in my classroom. And I had to get somebody to watch my class and go straight to the restroom because I thought I was going to pass out. And so from that day, I went to my doctor and I told them exactly what was happening. You know, they'll do the reflex test. They'll ask this and that. And I I told them all of that and told them what I thought it was. And they're like, oh, it's not MS, but I'm going to send you to an orthopedic doctor because you may have something going on. And of course, MS doesn't show up in x-rays. So I had a bunch of good looking x-rays, you know, <laughs> to follow me. Yes. And so about a week later, I get to the orthopedic doctor and I tell him exactly what's going on. And he's listening to me, very attentive, still does the same strength testing, squeeze my hands. And I told him exactly what was going on. And I told him what I thought it was. And he was like, oh, that's not a concern for me. He was like, because you're a young black girl and you do not typically get MS. And I was, I wasn't offended. I live in the South, you know, like you hear a lot of stuff and I grew up down here, but it's so many flaws in that because at this point we're a mixed race anyways. I mean, if you can just look around and see how much we've blended and you can look at our family trees and all of that. So I did express that to him and I was not upset, but I did tell him about a friend, one of my very good friends that was the same age as me who had MS and we had conversations about MS. And so even though I had no idea because it's not on your radar for real, when you're not going through it, that's a different story. But I remember listening to my friend and it was the heat intolerance, the the tingly feeling, the anxiety when I can feel my emotions, like when something comes over me. So I was saying all of that and I was like, and she's a young black girl. 
And he was like, well, I don't think it's that. I specifically remember him saying it could be that, but that's like number 78 on my list. He used the number 78. And so that made me feel good. <laughs> like I was like, Lord, please don't let it be. But what I'm thankful for is even though he said all of that, he sent me for an MRI because he wanted to see what it was because he could have said that, scoffed me off and, you know, it would have like prolonged the process. So I am grateful for him. And he sent me for that MRI of my cervical spine and thoracic and it came back with a couple of small lesions on it right? I found that out at the follow-up. I knew nothing about MRIs. I had a disc in hand. I didn't even know that I could get on there and look at it. I'm glad I did it (laughs) because like I was just waiting for the appointment for him to say it when it clearly said it on, you know, all the information on it. It was also new to me. So I, I get there. I'll never forget. I went for the MRI on October 20th. My follow-up appointment was October 28th. And the day before, I feel like we went on a field trip or I had a field trip the day after. So it was just heavy on my mind. But on the 28th of October, right before Halloween, they told me that I had a probable case of MS. And they showed me the two small lesions and the characteristics of it, you know. And I was just numb. I was like, wow, this is real, you know. And so they set up an appointment with the neurologist. Of course, I did not know. A neurologist, my sister-in-law, she deals with migraines. And so she had a neurologist in mind. So got that set up. And of course, it's a long wait for a neurologist. So I didn't have an appointment until December. And when I got to him, he was very attentive. He listened to me. He did not make me feel like I was stupid. But his biggest thing was you're worrying too much. And by that point, I had lost a lot of weight, not eating, not sleeping. And when you don't eat and sleep... (laughs) I was just basically on autopilot when I got to him. Just work was keeping me going and my daughters and my husband, basically. And I knew what I had to do. And I was very broken on the inside. And I'll never forget that first appointment that I went to him. He wrote down on his prescription pad. And it was something to the effect of the serenity prayer. And just the importance of not projecting into the future. He's like, yes, it looks like MS, but it might not be MS. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I was like, yeah, it's MS. I feel it, you know, but he needed to confirm it, I feel like. But he wanted me to be calm in the meantime, because now I know whatever it was going to be, it was going to be. So he wrote that on his prescription pad. And of course, we're in a big football state, Alabama. My neurologist, he's an Alabama fan. And it was something to the effect of be where your boots are. And that's a Nick Saban quote. And it's just like, be where you are right now. Appreciate this moment and don't project into the future. What's going to come is going to come. So sure enough, he sent me for an MRI of my brain and it confirmed it. I got a call that Monday and told me this is what it is. And He discussed it over the phone and he wanted me to start on medication as soon as possible. And of course, me being the person that I am, I'd already been looking into it. And I know some people have strong feelings about medication. I believe in medications. I believe it's there for a reason. And I had been looking up so many people that were on DMTs and things, you know, like listening to their stories. I had already made up in my mind. It was December 13th, 2021 a day I'll never forget, right before the holidays, from Halloween, all through the holidays, it was terrible for me. I laid down and I cried. (laughs) Just, I was so upset. 
I don't know if ashamed was the word. I wasn't ashamed, I, but it was hurt, like a hurt, upset, wondering what the future would be, wondering, you know, what would this take away from me, just projecting so much into the future, you know, and just wondering how to pan out for me. And I just remembered praying for peace, you know, and it started coming to me in forms, but it was rough. I made it through that time, but it was through like a lot of prayer. My husband with a lot of patience, you know, he just picked up the slack with whatever because I had a a second and a third grader and they had homework. They had things to do and they didn't miss a beat and they didn't know it. I did enough just to function and smile for them. And then it was off the bed. I went, I was exhausted. And it was a point like I, I didn't want to wake up in the morning. I knew it was bad whenever, you know, you'd hear the birds chirping and I didn't want to start the day, you know, and just relentless and looking for any kind of story that mirrored mine. And MS is so isolating. Even when you have a full community of people, you see what other people go through and it's not what you go through exactly. It's an isolating feeling. Or even when it comes to medicine, I know several people who have MS and I know several people personally, none of us take the same medication. Like it's so, it's so many differences, you know, and so many things may work for somebody and it may not. So it's a very unsure and scary thing to me, you know, at times. But through the help of friends and family, I believe nothing happens by chance. I have a very close friend who's an autoimmune warrior and she has lupus. And Monica and I, we grew up together from kindergarten and we ended up going to the same college. We ended up pledging the same sorority. We're just very close. Our daughters are in gym together now. And she is an advocate because her mother was a lupus warrior too. And she was diagnosed maybe like in her early 20s. And she's been fighting for a long time. So she's the person I felt comfortable talking to initially, you know, when I didn't talk to anybody else. I didn't really want to put word out there because I am a mom of two little girls who are old enough to understand what's going on and understand that some things happen and people get you know, sick and things like that. So I did not want to open myself up and tell anybody before I told my daughters what was going on to me. That was very important. So I did in the confidence with my friend and she helped me feel so comfortable with it. You know, hey, this is it, but you got to keep going. You got to keep living, you know? And that means a lot coming from somebody who goes through that, you know, because coming from somebody who's perfectly healthy and that is hard to hear. You know, you just got to pick yourself up. You got to keep going. But when you see somebody, you know, is going through something, it has a lot of power, you know. And yeah, so, I mean, that's my story as far as that and coming into acceptance. And not only that, I'm a researcher. I looked up everybody on Instagram. I was all over TikTok, all over. And I waited on Facebook because Facebook, you can, it's more personal on Facebook because you can see friends of friends and friends of who. And that Facebook was the last platform I got onto to look because I knew I would see it on a more personal level. In the first group I joined on Facebook, I saw people around me who were dealing with it that I knew already in life, you know, that were part of the groups or had just joined. And I reached out to them, you know, and that was like sort of like my final step of acceptance, you know. 
and, you know, talking to them and realizing that they had some of the same feelings, but they were going on about life too. Not that they had strong feelings about it, but it's like, you can't give up. You can't, I didn't have this huge event where I couldn't walk or couldn't talk or couldn't see. Like I have sensory issues. So I have the numbness, the tingling. Sometimes it gets really intense, you know, but nobody can see it. So somebody like that, you get up and you keep carrying on and it's something <laughs> like it is the craziest thing. Don't you like play a fine line a little bit between nobody can see what I'm dealing with, right? So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I want them to, right? Because once you're, mm-hmm. once your invisible disease becomes visible, that's when people also start talking too. There's two sides of all of it. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't want people to recognize this or I do, and I need people to, and I need them to understand. Yeah. So like my hands are, you know, loss of sensation, Mm -hmm. I would say, but like you, you know, depending if I'm out in the heat too long, they're like, they feel on fire. Mm -hmm. Right. But nobody can see that. Yes. Nobody can feel it the way that I feel it. Mm -hmm. And so what is that? look like in our community even because people with more advanced disability too I hear them talking about their disability more am I not supposed to do that Mm -hmm. because you can't see it but Mm -hmm. I need to talk about it I don't know I don't know what that sounds and looks like but I feel that yeah and I do have strong feelings about that too and like, I know, I know about your tingly sensations. I know when you exercise, you feel tingles in your legs too, don't you? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. I've heard it before. And I listen. That's like, I search for anybody who has some symptoms that I have. So I don't feel so lonely. <laughs> like, it's like I dig through that, yeah. you know, and that helps me to feel better because to hear the joy in your voice and interviewing other people and getting other people's story out there, that helps me to carry on too. So I hold on to that. It's just like being relatable. And so like what you were saying before about do I say something or not, I decided when I decided to talk about this or to open up a little bit or try to make a difference, I said, I will never suffer in silence. You know, I'm not going to be a big complainer. I'm not going to shut down. I'm going to give it all I got because I got two little girls watching me. And even if I didn't for myself, I want to keep going and live my life. But I don't want to suffer in silence. I had a friend and she's not here with us anymore. And she passed away a week after my birthday this year who shared the diagnosis of MS with me. And that was tough for me because she was one of the people like once, you know, I felt more comfortable. I reached out to her in January And she said, I am so sorry that you have this, but I'm glad I'm not alone anymore. And that was powerful. And I listened to her before. Great friends, best friends, as children talking about those conversations, like hours long conversations, you know, that you have as kids and it carried into adulthood. But I listened to her and she's one of the main reasons I knew that I had MS from listening to her and her symptoms. And I just don't think that she was very vocal about it to everybody else and did a lot of suffering and silence and carrying on. And sometimes that comes across as being 
way stronger than what you really are. And that weighs you down a lot. And that happened to me. So me barely functioning like October through Mm -hmm. January, right? And going to work and having, you know, when you're an educator, you're a great pretender anyways, because you put on a show for your students and you, you're bubbly and, you know, they make you happy too. I loved going to work and I'll tell you what, like at work, it was great, you know, being around the kids, they make you laugh, they make you smile, second graders, everything. But as soon as they went to PE, any kind of downtime, it was crushing to me. (laughs) You know, I had just had to get it together. It was a lot of crying during my breaks and things like that. So, you know, it's just like, it's one of those things. Yeah. I think that speaks a lot to that vulnerability characteristic of yours. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you're able to put that stuff out in the universe about yourself and face it, I think mm-hmm. that that is almost like an empowerment thing because you're owning it. Like you mm-hmm. said, acceptance earlier. And yes. once you take that ownership mm-hmm. of things, then you can start to deal with them. Yes. And without that bit of courage, without that resilience within you, then that can lead to depression and a whole bunch of other things. And we know that depression and stress and anxiety are not good for RMS. So, right, you end up in a spiral of crap, right? Who wants that? And so Mm -hmm. I love the, the tools that you've used so far already in your journey to help Mm -hmm. you with that, you know, focusing on work where you feel good, Right. Situations Mm -hmm. that build you Mm -hmm. up. Being with small children is a great thing if you're, you know, into kids. Right. It's great. It is. And being able to talk to people in similar situations, using social media to find your people. That is Mm -hmm. really commendable, too. Mm -hmm. So if you know my journey at all, two years, really, I kind of like hid in the shadows about it. And it's not that I didn't share with people that I had a mess, but I just didn't really do anything about it. Yeah. And I just kept relapsing. Mm. I really did. And and it wasn't until I started to like immerse myself in the community a little bit more when I started to go, okay, let's make some choices here that are going to be better for you. Like you starting to share my story. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this now. So you do have the two little girls. Yes. And your husband. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like you are grounded in faith and you have some great people around you. Mm -hmm. Those are all great tools also to help you through. And so you're very lucky in that way. I do want to go back to when you were talking about the doctor. Mm -hmm. during your diagnosis a little bit, because every time I think maybe there was one person that, you know, there's some misconceptions with the doctors too. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, statistically, if you are black, Mm -hmm. it is more likely when you get MS that you're going to be older, Mm -hmm. that your symptoms are going to be much more severe. Yeah. Statistically. But we need to be able to share these stories as you are today because everybody needs to hear that we're not dealing with normalcy anymore. Right. 
mm-hmm. with COVID and things, yes. and viruses coming out and mm-hmm. research coming out, things are changing and evolving with this disease and people need to be aware. Yes. So have you talked to other people in the black community with MS about their journeys and what they've gone through? Have they dealt with similar things? Yes. As a matter of fact, everybody that I have personally talked to that's around me once I joined that Facebook group is black, Mm -hmm. you know, so we have talked about it. And, you know, I guess we can all agree that it's not a lot of representation as far as like seeing, like they feel like they went through similar stories, like say it wasn't taken for what it was, you know, it wasn't looked into more seriously. And so I think it delayed maybe a diagnosis, you know, so we share that it seems like, you know, initially, maybe some things getting blown off, you know, beforehand, but it wasn't until the doctor actually said those words to me like it's like wow (laughs) this is the first time I've heard it you know what I mean and yeah it just really made me think about all those oh it's not that it's nothing but they just didn't say it it was only one doctor who actually said that you know Uh And if it wasn't for my knowledge and having a friend who opened up to me and telling me when she told me when she was going through the process, she didn't know what was going on. So and just hearing her conversations about it, I knew better. I know I'm not a doctor. I'm a great teacher, but I am not a doctor. But I know from a black person's point of view, I do feel like, you know, some things get swept under the rug a little bit. And also I'd like to expound on the point of maybe black women in particular being stronger or looking stronger. That is the thing in medicine Mm -hmm. too. I never did hear about that until I was about to have my baby girl. We went to get acquainted with the hospital, with newborns and everything. And it was a sidebar comment, but it's a common thing. A strong black girl and versus wimpy white boy, a, a, a little black baby would be stronger in a situation than a little white baby. And that's not the first time I've heard that. So that as a expectant mother, that sent me into a tizzy because it's like, if my baby's struggling, you expect her to be stronger as a baby, as a newborn, you know? And so I, I think like a lot of times when, especially like when I go to appointments and things like that, I do have pretty good balance now. I do like no matter what I feel like I I still have a pretty good sense of everything. And I know that can change in a flash, you know, it goes back to you're so strong. You can do this. And like it, it, that's just stuck in my mind, you know, but I'm going through something. So we need to just look deeper and take it more seriously. Right. You know, and I don't mind being vocal about it, you know, when it comes up. Well, I think that, okay, so I just try to handle it in a way. Yeah, no, I think that that's super awesome of you as a human being to feel Mm -hmm. comfortable vocalizing your thoughts and Mm -hmm. opinions. So where does that come from in your life? How does that vulnerability piece get ingrained in you as a human being? I had to learn it Mm -hmm. because in my life, I wasn't supposed to show those things. I I wasn't supposed to do that. And sharing things that you're dealing with and going through, people don't want to hear it, Mm -hmm. right? In my experience, in my life, people didn't necessarily want to hear that. Mm -hmm. They want to hear the good stuff that you're going through. Mm -hmm. So what has led you to this point with being okay about sharing your thoughts and feelings? I just feel like if we look around, we see that, A lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are hurting. 
we live in the age of technology and you know like we were saying before like sometimes we feel sorry for these younger kids and I feel sorry for them in the fact of everything looks perfect everything looks great and people have struggles in real life and it's a lot of younger people that think oh they got it going on and my life is awful. I, you know, what did I do to deserve this? But in all actuality, you know, everybody goes through things. My husband told me when I was suffering, trying to come to grips with having MS and this, that, and the other, I have this, I have that. What if this happens? And he was like, LaRoya, you have life and this is life. Things happen in life and you have to keep going and we're going to keep going together. And that really reassured me because life happens. I tend to be a positive person. Like I like to portray positive energy. If I'm feeling negative, I try to find a good Bible verse to share and things like that. But if somebody ever comments to me or if somebody's having a hard time, I'm always like in their inbox saying, you know, you can do this. You're not alone. I freely share my story. So I always share that. And that's the part of being vulnerable because I have to tell them I don't have it together. I I tap into all the resources to make sure I'm mentally well. And that's something I struggle with, I do believe. Yeah. It can just hurt you mentally. Well, I got to say, I'm sure everybody listening is hearing this too. For someone who is newly diagnosed with young kids and this fresh life and, you know, this great career and success as a teacher. It is so refreshing and just amazing that you're already at this point. Okay. And so I just see great things for you as a human being in your future. If you're able to find tools, reach out to people already and, you know, tackle. Mm -hmm. It's not the end all be all. Mm -hmm. This is something that we can't predict what's going to happen next. But I do believe in my own life that putting positivity out there brings it back to you. Yes. And whatever your circumstance tomorrow, I could wake up and not be able to walk, but I'm not going to think about it in those terms. I'm going to think about how can I get back to where I was, right? And this is my current circumstance, but I'm going to make the most of the situation. Exactly. I I just feel that from you. You, You're such a beautiful person inside and out. And thank you so, so much for sharing your story (laughs) with us. Oh, Thank you, babe. I so appreciate you. So from feeling broken on the inside to be in the present, be where your boots are. Don't project into the future. Nothing happens by chance. Find a friend in similar circumstances and don't compare yourself to others. LaRoya, you're freaking fantastic in my human opinion. Tell people where they can reach out to you so they can speak to you about what they're going through. Yes. Before I do that, can I say a couple of things that maybe can get edited? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. There's, there's a few, there's a few other people like that took me under their wings, maybe like on Instagram, as far as in the inbox and everything. And I don't know if you've heard of Ashley Radcliffe's Jesus Year. She has a book, Jesus Year. I just happen to have the book right here. You have the book? She was on my show. I love her. And oh, I see all those sticky notes. Yes, of course. Oh, I got to go back and listen to her show. But when I came across it, because I'm just doing searches, right? And I saw her book, but I was like, 
like, is it on Audible? Because, you know, like I said, conversations help me feel calm. So I got her book on Audible and I just had to tell her how much it touched me, you know, and I reached out to her. And just along with her and anybody else I've ever reached out to, for the most part, they've been very receptive and in any way I can help you, please let me know, you know, and that's, that's important. That comes from somebody who understands the hurt Mm -hmm. that comes along with the diagnosis and the fabulous nurse, Chelsea, she has a journal, like a queen with MS journal. And she's on Instagram. Ashley did a write-up for World MS Day and Chelsea's in there too. And I reached out to her too, because Chelsea, her mom has MS. She was the very first person I reached out to when I got into the Instagram world and she messaged me back. And little did I know, she's a California girl, but she has Alabama roots. And the craziest thing about that is she was born in the city that I started working in as a professional. (laughs) So all of that came out. And so it just, it's really a small world, you know, but she really helped me to feel comfortable and let me know that I wasn't alone, you know, That's why when you reached out to me and you're like, explain strong-ish, I feel like it will evolve into strong and this, that, and the other. But right now it's ish and I'm doing everything I can to get to the point where I can really advocate. But after my friend passed away that had MS, I really said, well, I'm going to put it on my Instagram because I want people to know if they come by it and they see me smiling, they see me enjoying my family, they see me working, enjoying my students, the things that I normally post, hey, she has MS and she's doing that and maybe reach out to me and see how I feel or, you know, if you're having some questions, anything I can do. I could answer it in that way. So that's where Strongish came from. And then after that, I felt like, well, I need to raise money in some way. So I started my MS walk. And there's a link on that on my Instagram also, because I was like, I want to make a difference. But my Instagram handle is Queen Smitherman, Q-U-E-E-N-S-M-I-T-H-E-R-M-A-N. And so my hope is just to, you know, keep living my life and take each day at a time and, you know, just show people that they can live. And so I hope that's the message that I can send across. I think that you're getting there, lady. I I think that that's the vibe you're putting out there. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt it from you. I'm sure others are. And you never know Mm -hmm. whatever you're putting out there, how it's going to touch someone else. And you've already started in that. And I know you're going to help so many other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny because people say that to me all the time. I'm like, you have no idea how you're helping me. Just getting to talk to people. Yeah, you've helped a lot. It's reciprocal, right? And it's one more thing. Um, The MS Candle Company. Oh, yes. MS Candle Company is LaToya. Yes. And I got a candle on my way. She's so efficient in sending candles, too. It's like I ordered it and it's like delivery on its way. So I have one. But she's a, a person who is very personable to me and, you know, help in that way healthy unicorn because that's what did it that's what really tapped me in and how can I not want to help or pour back in or try to do something you know I don't know but all of that it is it is really wonderful I want to reference the episodes you talked about so (laughs) Jay from Rolling with MS is in episode 73 
Mm-hmm. Ashley Radcliffe. She's the author of Jesus Year. That is episode 11. The MS Candle Company with LaToya. She's on episode 63. And Jessica Turner, the healthy unicorn, is on episode 65. So we're all, you never know, right? We're all connected in some way. Mm -hmm. And so if you're interested in, you know, hearing more about their stories, if you want to hear more about core values or leaning into gratitude and how that can impact you, we already heard a little bit from LaRoya about what vulnerability means to her. Please reach out. Find the website, thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you're going to find all of those resources. And we really want to welcome you into our thriving community. LaRoya, thank you so, so much for opening up your story to us. Thank you. We appreciate you. And I know that, you know, there's going to be people that really connect with your thoughts and that want to speak to you more. So I'm sure you're going to get some connections. People out there, I really hope you, LaRoya, and all the listeners out there, you keep thriving. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.